Hello and welcome to episode nine of the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast. We're your host, Mike Vicanti. My name is Jordan Syatt, and this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, we basically spoke about troubleshooting client problems. So if you have clients who are swearing up and down that they're doing everything right, but they're not losing weight, or if Clients they, who are getting frustrated that they're not getting stronger at the rate that they want to. And if they're uh, getting hungry all the time and they don't know how to resolve their hunger, these are the, the issues that we spoke about and how you can resolve them. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Michael. Good morning. How are you? Feeling good. Feeling good. Just got back from jujitsu. Was a good session. That one of the best that you've had. It might have been my best session thus far, which I was really excited about because two days ago I had arguably the worst session I've ever had. <laughs> but that was coming off of at least a few days of not going, right? Yeah, because I, I was in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I took about four days off, which is the longest I've taken off in several months. So it's so crazy how quickly when you're learning something new, the skill acquisition it just goes away, mm -hmm. but also comes back super fast. Yeah, which is, is reassuring. Yeah, exactly. And is it public knowledge that you have a competition on the horizon? Well, if it wasn't, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I said I said I was going to do a competition. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I think I'm going to start making a a bigger push. I'm actually it's it's for they're doing it's called Tap Cancer Out. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're cancer fundraising. So I want to try and contribute to that as much as I can. That's but, amazing. Uh, yeah, first competition March 28th, and uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. That's great. So what time did you wake up to get there this morning? Uh, six twenty. Alarm went off at 6.20, and then usually I wake up and I'm a little bit groggy, but I don't know if this is good for me or not, but I literally, the first thing I'll do is just open up my phone and turn the screen on as bright as possible, and it wakes <laughs> me up immediately. Just a flood of blue light. Well, literally, because if I don't do that, it's so easy for me to stay groggy, but I as if I turn the brightness on the screen up and just sort of look at it, <laughs> I get up immediately. It works. Yeah, it works really well. Especially when the sun, because uh, I guess even in the summer, the sun wouldn't be up, up at 620, although don't quote me on that, but. Yeah, I don't think it is at all. But yeah, either way, it works. wakes me up really quick. So how nice. are you feeling? You're feeling good. I'm tired. We have not recorded a podcast right away in the morning and I just woke up. Gary's in El Paso. So I had the day off of training him. So I was up late doing work and now Last here we night, are. podcast didn't happen. <laughs> we planned the podcast. We were going to do the podcast last night and then we were like too tired. So now we're doing it in the morning. We have a good one. I'm excited about this. Yeah, so am I. Troubleshooting client problems. So this podcast came to be basically because as we've been putting out more and more about coaching, we've been getting more and more questions, which we love, by the way. And if you have any, please post them in the reviews on iTunes just so we can we can know what to cover. But what we were thinking about covering in this episode is a number of the most common client problems you might face as a coach mm -hmm. and how you might be able to address them, uh, not just from the planning perspective and from like the physiologically accurate way of doing it, but equally, if not more important, from the discussion aspect and from how to approach it and speak to your clients about it. Mm-hmm. You want to jump into an example? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll start off with probably the most common one. Uh huh. The most common one that, that if you're dealing with Gen Pop, especially, it might not be the same thing with with higher level athletes. But I think most coaches are really de- dealing with Gen Pop. Should it's, should I be the client, and you can be the coach? <laughs> you want to do some role play? Okay. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, so well, the first problem is where is going to be the client is swearing up and down. They're doing everything right but they're not losing weight. And this isn't someone who's already 8% body fat and and really struggling to lose like the last little bit. We're talking about someone who's 25, 30, 40, 50% body fat, relatively high, and they're just not losing weight no matter what. And it's been a week, two weeks, three weeks. They're telling you they're eating on point with their calories, like everything is clean and they just don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times this comes from a good place. Like I remember my initial instinct as a coach or one of them was like, this person has to be, be well, my first instinct was, wow, metabolic damage is a real thing. And people can eat 1100 calories per day. If a client says they're massively under eating and still not making any progress, like their metabolism just must be broken. And this was six, seven, eight years ago. And a, a 240 pound individual who's drastically under eating is not plateaued. Right. There's something else going on. But my next thought was that they uh, simply were being dishonest. And I think a lot of times it's unintentional. Like I think a lot of times it's calories like a a binge at night that they might be ashamed of and might even mentally block out from their mind. It might be not tracking for an evening or two evenings or a weekend or a weekend day um, and rationalizing that I've been so good and so perfect on my nutrition for so many days that this one day shouldn't throw off my progress. So I don't really need to mention it. Yeah. It's funny. My first instinct when I got into coaching was actually, I must suck as a coach. Like for when, when a client wasn't making progress, I took it very personally on myself. Like this must mean I'm not a good coach, which was like, it created a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, but the more you actually look into the research on this, and this goes very much into what you were saying in which they're not lying, usually, mm-hmm. not always. The vast majority of people, when they're struggling to lose weight, are significantly underestimating how much they're eating. And it's not a malicious lie or a lie trying to deceive you. It's literally, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. They they aren't aware of it. Um, in the same way that if you look at the research around people who struggle to gain weight, they consistently overestimate how much they're eating. People are, they're swearing up and down, they're eating a lot, they're, they eat so much and all this stuff. And but it's 2,400 calories. At most. I mean, yeah. I remember my buddy Tucker I re- in high school, he would always say he'd, tr- he'd really struggled to gain weight and he ate so much. And I asked him what he ate for breakfast and I swear to God, he said an egg. <laughs> that was my response. I, I laughed. I was like, my buddy David was with me. We were like, what'd you just say? He was like, I had an egg. We we're like, how many? He was like, one, I had an egg. I was like, number one, who the hell takes the time to cook one <laughs> egg? But it's- Tucker, if you're listening to this. he It's so funny. He's in medical school now. He's one of the smartest people I know, but he's he's a, he comes from a very, very lean, skinny family. And he's an incredibly lean, skinny kid. And uh, 
<laughs> and he just he was swearing up and down he was doing everything right but and but he would just get full super easily and you know some people do oh, i'd love to have that problem but it's like in the same way it can really suck to not be able to lose weight it can suck to not be able to gain weight as well um so once i realized that people weren't usually maliciously lying or or lying to deceive me mm-hmm. it number one it took a lot of the pressure off me in terms of like, okay, so it's not my fault per se. It's not like I'm doing something wrong. It's more, okay, how can we help these people become aware of how much they're eating? That's really the mindset that you have to go into here. Because I think a lot of the a lot of the first response is to say, well, clearly you're eating too much. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, 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 you're eating too much. It's to tell them what they're doing wrong. It, what you want to do and what you do very well is make them aware in a way that doesn't make them defensive. A hundred percent. And so there's a, many strategies you can do to try and get to this point where they're aware of it first. Um, I think the first one that I usually do is if if they're swearing up and down, number one, obviously look have them write down everything they eat. I think that's the easiest thing to do. If you're not already looking at their food logs, then you, they could either do a food log, they could send you a three-day uh, food log. I generally like to have at least one weekend day in there. So have two regular days, like a a Tuesday and a Thursday, and then one weekend day as well, something like that. If you want to do seven days in a row, that's fine. Uh, But also you have to be realistic. And some people, they're not going to do it for seven days straight. Mm -hmm. So starting off with a three-day food log with making sure you get one weekend day in there is really important. And and going over uh, above and beyond to say everything you eat and everything you put in your mouth, I don't care if it's an ice cube, write it down. And and this is when a client swears up and down that they're doing everything right, their nutrition is on point, but the scale simply isn't moving week over week, waist measurements aren't moving, they aren't making any progress. And as the coach, you kindly request a three-day food log. A lot of clients simply aren't going to send that log. or <laughs> I shouldn't say a lot, but a, a more than you would expect simply aren't going to send that food log. Which leads to the answer exactly right there. Yep, but but many will. And, and I would say before I even do the food log, I'll actually I, I should have mentioned this first. I'll, I'll, there's a series of questions I'll ask. One of them being, if they're if they're getting frustrated with it, because sometimes people won't be even frustrated. They'll be like, "Oh no, I'm doing great." And but you're looking at their progress and you want to say something, but you also mm-hmm. if they're doing great, like where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. But for now, we'll stick with the if someone's really frustrated. Like I don't know why it's not working. I'm doing perfectly. One of the first questions I'll ask is, how's your hunger? Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to 10, like one being not hungry at all, 10 being ravenous all the time, where are you? And a lot of the times they'll come back with, you know, I'm really not that hungry. I'm like maybe a, a three, but it's pretty standard. And that's the first telltale sign that they're not hitting their calories, that they're not in a deficit, because we all know with the calorie deficit comes some level of hunger, that some increased level of hunger. And if they're not hungrier than usual, then it's a really good sign that they're eating more than they think they are. And um, so from there, then have them write down all their food. And then from there, if they are writing down all their food, and a lot of times you'll look at the at what they're writing and they'll be you'll be like, this looks great. Like, mm-hmm. this looks really good. This doesn't make sense based on what I'm seeing. Then you could say, all right, cool. Take pictures of everything you eat and send it to me for three days now or for seven days, whatever it is. Because if, if the 
if the writing comes back, sometimes they'll be like, oh, wow, like I didn't realize I was having this. I didn't realize I was having this. That might be enough for them to realize I didn't realize how much I was eating. Then if that doesn't work, the pictures is a good way to see the portion size. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there are sides that they didn't actually write down. And you'll be like, well, what is that? Or like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you I had lasagna. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, even though they were writing it down, but now you see pictures of it. Or, or like you just said, portion sizes, which is so huge because especially if you don't have someone weighing and measuring their food, which often is extremely inconvenient and might not make sense for many clients. But if someone is eyeballing uh, anything, let's say lasagna, let's say they do record the lasagna, but they record it as (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Jordan's doing a a funny hand motion that one of our previous clients would, would say when, what, that Gary would Yeah, we got Gary. Reference. He would be fine with the saying it. <laughs> there were many times Gary would come downstairs in the morning and uh, say, how was dinner last night? What'd you eat? Or how was the game yesterday? What'd you eat? And he'd kind of scratch his head and think and, <laughs> and say, he'd pat I, his I, belly. He'd yeah, pat his belly. <laughs> you know, I, it was decent. I picked, I picked a little bit. Um, there were beans. There were, and then he would hold two his his thumb and his forefinger up and kind of move his hand back and forth like like a one inch size bean, and kind of make a face and say like this, like this beans. And be like okay, <laughs> anything else? <laughs> say was there anything else? Protein? Uh, shrimp? Shrimp? We're like okay, shrimp's good. Shrimp's good. And you know it was a little bit like pulling teeth some days, um, but. Many clients simply are misestimating portion size. So even if in their food log, they're writing down everything that they're eating, if they think that they're having uh, four ounces of salmon and they're really having 12 ounces of salmon, uh, the caloric difference there extrapolated out to various meals is going to lead to enough that they're not making progress. Especially if they already reduce their portion size, like maybe reducing their portion size would be instead of having two helpings, they only have one, but that one helping is actually three servings, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and I think a lot of, this is one of the reasons why weighing your food is such an, an eye opener for people, even if you only do it for a week, because it will show you how, what a true portion size looks like. Yeah. And if someone looks at what a true portion size of lasagna is, it's very disheartening. Because yeah. it, it's not a lot. It's, yeah. a, it's a very small portion. So they might be telling you, oh my God, no, I'm having like barely any lasagna at all. But it's actually two or three servings of lasagna. And it actually feels like barely any to from where they were previously coming from. Exactly. So, so then you get the pictures and then you can start to see, okay, so you can ask them. I, I won't tell them. I won't just be like, okay, well, you realize that's like a 1200 calorie plate right there. And you told me you had 1100 calories on the day. But I'll say like, how many calories would you estimate that plate to be? And they'll come back and they'll be like, I don't know, 400. I'll be like, okay, this is where the issue is. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes they'll be grateful, a little bit shocked. Super. They'll be like, like what? Yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, yeah, we'll get a food scale. Just weigh it out. Like just test it out. But this is, I think, such an important learning process that, and, and it's, I think the important thing to highlight here is from asking them where their hunger is to asking them to write down the foods, to ask them to send pictures. This is a several week process. Like this doesn't happen in two days. This is over the course of several weeks where, I mean, first you have to go through the, the period of them not making progress, which can be at least two to four weeks. 
Then you ask, okay, cool. How's your hunger? Then you get them to write down their food. Then you get them to send the pictures. I mean, this is a period of, it could be two months where you're progressively going and you might get really frustrated and get upset and just want to tell them what's going on. But if you're really a coach about sustainability and long-term results, then what's the rush? Mm-hmm. If you're preaching, there's no rush, then act like it as the coach. There's mm-hmm. no rush. And and you can't rush the conversation. You can't rush the discussion. You can't rush the learning process. A great coach doesn't tell people what to see. They show them where to look. Mm-hmm. And so if you can create that, and I didn't make that quote up, by the way, that's not my quote. Someone else much smarter than I did said that. But the if you can ask the right questions in the right way over the right period of time to help them come up with the answer on their own, they're far more likely to succeed. Because when someone learns that way, they actually comprehend it. It actually has an impact in them. They internalize the lesson and they can apply it going forward compared to, I've probably been told correct things countless times in my life, but when it comes bluntly in one or two sentences, just in my face, I'm much less likely to take that message and apply it. Exactly. A hundred percent. You know, it's interesting. And if we have more to say on this, we can, but something you mentioned there was the client who's a little bit disgruntled about their, uh, their lack of progress and how it's almost an easier conversation because they're initiating it and you can get to the bottom of what's going on a little bit faster. Yeah. Want to talk about the client who's plateaued and is pretty content and is not really saying anything because that's almost more, maybe not more interesting, but I think more difficult. Yeah. Let me, I have one more combination of questions that I would ask. Cool. And then we'll go to that. The last question I would ask, and this is the one that usually gets a really good response, like with a really, really, the clients that are struggling, the clients that are giving you a lot of problems that are like, they're swearing up and down, they're sending, they're writing it down, the pictures, everything looks like it should be perfect. Um, the next question that I go to is first, tell me one thing that you think you're doing very well with your nutrition. And second, tell me one thing that you can improve with your nutrition. And I like this combination of questions because it gives them an opportunity to be proud of what they've accomplished, to be proud of the changes they have made. And through doing that, now they're also a little bit more open and 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 can be a little bit more honest with it, where they might be able to actually improve that one line with where they can improve, it will open a can of worms that otherwise might not have ever been even been seen or discussed. Mm-hmm. And one of the more common ones is where they'll say, oh, I'm super proud. You know, I've been eating way healthier food. You know, the quality of my food has improved, which is great. And usually, and this, I've, I've done this hundreds of times. The, the most common is I'm eating way healthier foods and being way more consistent the issue might be is that on the weekends, I'm not really tracking as well as I could. Some, or the weekends aren't as good as I could be doing. Something to that effect. And my answer to that to that is not, oh, got it. So it's the weekends. It's from there, another follow-up question. Be like, oh, got or like. So tell me more about the weekends. What do you think is going on? What can you improve on the weekends? Oh, well, you know, I could probably track better or, you know, I could plan ahead better or, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a lot and I'm usually going out and having a lot of chips and guac or whatever it is. And so literally, and I've, I have conversations with clients in one single thread where six messages up, they're swearing up and down, they're doing everything right. And then six messages down, they're saying, okay, yeah, you know, on the weekends, I'm really chips not doing guac. very well. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not 
actually tracking. And it's one of those things that goes back to what we said at the beginning, where they're not consciously or deliberately or deceivingly lying to you. It's they actually believe they're doing everything right. And it's your job as the coach to lead them to the point in which they can finally realize, oh, this is where I'm I'm not being as accurate as I think. Mm-hmm. And lead them there, exactly. not point at them. And, and <laughs> exactly. Self, which which can be the the default, especially for newer coaches. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that client who is basically I, okay I, with I, not making forward progress? In I, don't some even, I don't even know if I have anything to say about it other than- <laughs> It's tough. Yeah. It's from a coaching perspective, it's a weird place to be in, especially especially if it's a client that you've been working with for a longer yes. period of time. Because on the one hand, this person's paying you money and you want to help them make the best possible progress based on where they are in their life, based on where they are in their training career, based on all of those factors. Um, but on the other hand, like I understand periods of not making progress because that's part of life yep so going like i'll go months myself without make like maintenance is a win at times mm-hmm. um and and so it's tricky knowing exactly when to push and when to let someone coast because you can't always be pushing uh that just doesn't make sense that's not how any kind of of long-term progress is made. Um, there's always going to be periods of relaxation. There's always going to be time you spend at maintenance calories. There's always going to be times where uh, you deload or let off the gas with volume. And and that can be based on a season in that person's life, or it can just be based on, okay, we've been going this hard for this long. We can't continue making this much progress. But finding that balance between letting someone I guess the the best word is coast um, versus saying, okay, like, should we get back to sending daily food logs? Like, should we get back on track with whatever the longer term goal of of getting down into this range when it comes to leanness and and where you want to be and where you feel best? Yeah. And this is where I think it's really important to know your client, not just not not just the physiology of what's going on and mm-hmm. and the progress they quote unquote should be making. Are they a parent? Are they a single parent? Do they just get laid off work? Do they have a stressful job? Are they sick? Is their parent sick? Are they struggling financially? Mm-hmm. Is it whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If someone, we all know training is a stressor. We all know that, that if you, if you're lifting very, very heavy, if you're working really hard, or if you're focusing really hard on your nutrition, it's adding another stressor to your life. And if you have a lot going on in your life elsewhere, then you can't keep stacking on these stressors and expect to keep making progress. And I think one of the things that I've learned as a coach is you have to realize the value of something being very consistent and having a support system there mm-hmm. and an accountability of some sort. And I think there's a tremendous amount of value if someone is in a period in their life in which Focusing on losing weight or focusing on on really being meticulous with their calories is not going to be good for them. And as the coach, it's your responsibility to be there to support them and to provide them with some sort of structure and order, even if it's not necessarily making 
quote unquote forward progress on the scale or in the gym, or at least just keeping the habit intact, I think is incredibly valuable. And so Mm -hmm. I, I know as a coach, especially as a coach who wants to make sure everyone gets incredible results, it can be, uh, you can almost feel like an imposter when like you just see this the same weight coming in every day. You know, there's, they're not really that excited about training necessarily. They're just sort of just giving you updates now and again, maybe they're not even giving you that many updates. Maybe they're, they're not that in contact with you, but you get the new program every month and they're, yeah, everything's good. Thank you. I appreciate the program. It's all set. I think it's it's in us. They're like, listen, they're paying us. We want to make sure they're getting the absolute best. But sometimes the absolute best in that point in time is just being there and giving them something to make sure that they can get in the gym and to focus on their nutrition in some way without necessarily over-focusing on it or over-emphasizing it. Just being there so they don't have to think about it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's something that I, when I was first starting out coaching, really could have used that advice. And I think this is quite common among new coaches because one of the reasons that a lot of people get into personal training is they are on the tail end of a very successful and very enjoyable fitness journey for themselves. Yeah. And when you are coming out of a multi-month or multi-year phase of your own life where fitness was one of the top three, if not the biggest focuses in your life, like you just talked about all the single parent getting laid off work, all these different stressors in life and training might be 11th in someone's life. Exactly. But if I'm in a position where I'm coming out of a place where I had it number one, two, three, kind of juggling between those positions for a couple of years and then decide to become a personal trainer, it can be hard when you're in that mindset not to, uh, to, put that on your client or to to have that expectation of your client. And for most people during most times, fitness just isn't going to be that high on their priority list. And so, yeah, like you said, providing the structure and kind of the, let's call it a bare minimum framework to keep them going and keep them moving in a positive direction or at least not let them backslide for certain periods of time in life is is an important skill to have as a coach. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it can be very difficult as a coach. And I think one of the more common questions coaches will ask either in their head or to their client will be, why did you hire me? They're like, why why are we doing this? And I think, you know, as someone who has done that in the past, regretfully, I would implore you. You mean asked that? No, not asked that, but in my head thought that. Okay. Regretfully, I would have that feeling be like, why are you hiring me? And, And I think in some cases it's warranted if they're not doing the workouts at all. Like if I'm sending them a new workout, if they're just not following the nutrition guidelines, if they're not checking in at all, if if they're just not doing it. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between someone not doing it and someone who is doing it, but not doing it with an intensity to try and be the best. There's two, two different things. There's someone who's not using your service at all and someone who is using you to help improve their health and their life and maintain a healthy habit two different scenarios. Mm -hmm. And I think because like you said, 
a lot of coaches are either in the phase in which fitness is everything to them. They wake up, eat, sleep, breathe, dream, fitness, deadlifts, squats, movement, nutrition, whatever. Mm-hmm. They just assume when someone hires them, they want the pinnacle. They they want that. And some Coming people from will. such a good place. Yeah, exactly. Because they want them to experience what they just went through. Exactly. And the reality is there's a there's a huge spectrum of what people are hiring you for mm-hmm. and there's a huge spectrum of of where people prioritize fitness and just because someone might prioritize fitness fifth or sixth or seventh on their list and not one or two like you doesn't mean that it's not beneficial and doesn't mean they're not using you and not taking advantage of of what you're giving them it just means that they're not going to take it to the degree to the degree that you have which realistically if they were going to take it to the degree that you have then they'd probably be a coach in the first place right which is why it's like we have to think about the net effect of what we're doing if someone is going to the gym two to three times a week, if someone is now thinking more about the quality of food they're putting in their body, they're not shredded, they're not losing tons of weight, but they're exercising and they're actively thinking more about the food and they're they're looking to improve in some way and, and you're helping them be more consistent. The net positive is infinitely greater than you being like, what are we doing here? Like, we, we should end this because you're not shredded and this has been six months. It's like, <laughs> and, and this is a difficult, difficult place for a coach, but you really have to think, if you're not working with them, if you're not giving them their program, if you're not there for their accountability and for their support system, then who will be? Either someone who might not have as good as intent or nobody at all, mm-hmm. which means like it's your job to be like, you know what? Me being here is better than not being here. And, and you're comparing kind of maintenance progress or or keeping your head above water is the term that's coming to mind for me to this elite pinnacle of fitness like getting shredded being in unbelievable shape when the way you should be looking at it is what could or would happen to that client if you weren't there keeping their head above water getting some workouts and keeping some semblance of a reasonable diet versus letting it all go to hell and and not working out at all and letting nutrition completely fall off 100 percent. yeah it's interesting what else do we have on our on our list of common client problems? How long how long is this so far? We're we're I think we're almost a half hour in. Okay, good. Do you want to talk about this is a a less common one, but still relatively common and I think very important to discuss the the common issue which is a lot of clients will have when they say they're not getting stronger, like they're getting the, they're not making progress. And there, there are many, many forms of this. Um, for example, and, and we have one on the board, we'll talk about that one in a second. I have another one that just popped in my mind where, for example, someone will be like, I'm just, I'm just not making progress on my bench press. For example, I'm just not getting stronger. And I'll be like, okay, well, how much did you bench press today? And usually it comes after a session, which wasn't their favorite or wasn't their best, right. where it was maybe less than the week before. And and all my clients, I have them track their weights used and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. So what'd you bench press today? And they'll tell me. And then what'd you bench press last week? And they'll tell me. And what'd you bench press the, the whole month before? And I'll look, I have all the numbers and, and we'll look and I'll be like, okay, so three weeks ago, you hit a personal record. Today, you didn't hit that personal record. How often do you expect to be increasing your bench press or your squat or your deadlift? And they'll be like, I don't know, like 
like, do you expect it to go up every single session? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, okay, what about every two sessions? Like, no. I'm like, do you expect to be your strongest every single time you go in the gym? No. Okay. So, you know, it's like, this is pretty normal. And one of the ways I love to phrase it is if you increased your bench press by 10 pounds every month, then at the end of the year, you'd have a bench press 120 pounds heavier. In two years, it'd be 240 pounds heavier. That's an insane bench press. Mm -hmm. Most people never bench press 240 pounds. Not to mention like if you're already benching, we'll call it 100 pounds. Yeah, they're not starting at zero. Right. If you're starting already benching 100, 100 pounds, which is like a relative, I'd say that's a standard weight for for men and women, 100 pounds. Like most women can can do that uh, within several months to a year of training. Um, what, you're going to be benching another 120 pounds on top of that? So 220 pounds? Like, no. I mean, some most most women never get to 220 pounds. And, and I'd actually say most men never get to 220 pounds. Yeah. Like yep. it's a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And when you frame it that way, 10 pounds a month would add 120 pounds to your bench press. It's all of a sudden like, oh, okay. So if it's 10 pounds a month and like your death, like that would be, if you added five pounds every month, that would be huge. But now that changes a, a huge perspective shift in terms of how much you can expect to gain every session. And which means mm-hmm. that you're going to go in and most sessions, you are not going to get stronger. Correct. I think the the beginner phase of training can sort of set people up for disappointment. Because <laughs> yeah. when you go in, when you're a beginner, you're adding weight almost every time, like almost every week. And then after, after that, it's maybe every couple sessions. Then after that, maybe every month. And when it slows down, it's like, what's going on? But you're just not going to, it's, you're not going to get that much stronger every time. And you have to frame it in a way that is sticky enough for them to understand. Like if you add 10 pounds a month, it's 120 pounds a year. And that's not going to happen. Right. Yep. And setting that expectation is huge and adjusting the expectation when they're beyond the beginner phase is huge. And giving your clients something else to focus on other than the amount of weight they are using, um, such as a double progression rep scheme, if they're lifting in the eight to 10 rep range, getting all three sets in at eight reps. And if they can use the same weight and get all three sets in at nine reps, or even one or two of their sets in at nine reps and the other set at eight reps with the same weight, that's amazing progress. And reframing strength gains outside of just putting more plates on the end of the bar using heavier dumbbells, but onto, you know, things we've talked about on this podcast, decreasing rest time, uh, increasing time under tension, um, integrating things like pause reps, uh, adding another set per exercise, adding reps on a given set. These are all forward progress toward the goal. And, Uh, nice little markers of strength gain that come between actually seeing the weight go from 185 to 195. And I think this is one of the most important reasons why you need to get technique videos from your clients. Because if your client is bench pressing 135 for five, and then a month later or two months later, they're bench pressing 135 for five, 
and they send you technique videos and they're upset that they haven't gotten stronger, but you can compare the first time doing 135 for five and they're dropping the bar on their sternum and it looks like they're going to go to the hospital versus now a month later, two months later, whatever, they're controlling it down. It's nice and nice. It's easy. Like their technique is great. You make a side-by-side comparison. You say, are you kidding me? Look at this. Mm-hmm. Here you look like a flopping fish. Here you look like actually like a really <laughs> strong lifter. Uh-huh. And I think I can tell you that a shadow of a doubt getting technique videos and also progress pictures, but technique videos and doing side-by-sides and sending them to clients does a couple things. Number one, they're shocked at how much they've improved and how much better their lifts look. Also, it makes them trust you and it makes them really happy that like you're with them and that, you know, you go back to a video they might've sent you six months, eight months ago, you show them, look, like, look at how far you've come they forgot they even took that video. They forgot they even sent that, but you still have that on file. Mm-hmm. It's super important to have those because it, it builds trust and it builds, it, it lets them know that they're not just a number on your list of clients, that they're, that you actually care about them and that you're monitoring their progress. And I think it's super important. Yeah. Both of those points are amazing. Especially the fact that you're a personal trainer. Like you are an expert or as close to expert in this field you're very close to an expert in this field, we'll say. Um, Your client (laughs) isn't going to be able to pick out those nuanced forms of progress. And so showing them and and shedding light on that for them is really going to uh, be encouraging and and help continue to keep high levels of motivation and and keep a positive attitude in their training and in their, their outlook on their fitness journey, which is huge because without that, it can be easy to let it all fall by the wayside. On that note, and sort of switching gears a little bit, I would have clients send me progress pictures and they would look remarkably different. And and, and they'd be like, I don't see the difference. <laughs> and I'd have a conniption. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, what do you mean this doesn't look different? Like, are you looking at the same person that I am? And you have to realize if you're looking at progress pictures on a consistent basis, you've spent time studying to see what certain body fat percentages look like. You have a trained eye in that. You know what to look for. You know what body parts to look at. You know what to compare them to. They might, and not to mention they're looking at themselves. So there's already a distorted view. Right. One of the things that I would do whenever I would send progress pictures is number one, I would ha- I would absolutely get front view, side view, and back view. If you're only getting front view, you're screwing yourself and your client because sometimes you're not going to see a drastic difference front view. You will see it side view or back view depending on where they store their fat, depending on how they're built, whatever it is. One of my favorite things to do with people who would look at their pictures and not see a difference is I'd put them side by side. And for example, if their belly came out a certain amount far, then I would draw a line from their belly straight down all the way to the floor and show them how far their belly came out to the floor and then do it with the newer picture straight down to like from like the apex of their belly down to the floor or whatever it is. And you could see the distance is now significantly closer to their feet or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh my God, I never would have seen that if you didn't draw that picture. Yeah, it's like it's Huge. super important, and you can't just exp- and the same thing that Mike was talking about with technique videos. Don't just show them their bench press from before and after and expect them to see what you see. Say like, look here in the first one, your elbows are flared out. Your te- you barely even touch your chest, or you're dropping the bar with no control. Here, your elbows stay under the bar. You control it all the way down to your chest. You use a full range of motion. Your butt stays on the bench. Whatever it is, now you have a very good bench press, and they're looking at it like I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, or I knew it because like 
it, you just said it and it all makes sense, but I didn't know enough to re- recite it myself, right. to pull those out on my own. Right. Really important to understand. Yeah. Waist measurements are another one. Huge. Because especially with certain types of clients, the types of clients who have a propensity to recomp, a beginner, uh, someone who has strength training experience but has recently taken time off and then gotten back into it with you, that person is likely to stay around the same scale weight depending on where you have calories, but that person has the capacity to build muscle and lose fat in the same few month window and they might be nowhere near their expectation on how much weight they've lost, but their waist measurement is down three inches or four inches. And so having clients track that metric, um, is, is something that, that has helped me shed light on the amount of progress someone is making, especially in situations where they're building muscle and losing fat. Yeah. The other common scenario in relation to not getting stronger with clients is, and this is just the most common one that I've heard, but there, there are many variants of it. Basically, a client will get very frustrated when they feel like they're not getting stronger, specifically with shoulders. I see this a lot. And lateral shoulder raises really piss people off. Where like, I've been using the 12s or the 15s for six months and I'm not getting any stronger. I'm like, I use the 15s. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I always say, go look at professional bodybuilders or literally videos online, what they're using for lateral shoulder raises. It's not much. Like, I think the most I've ever seen anyone use is 40s. And that's insane. And that was like a 300 pound dude doing those like for sixes. Yeah. Like, not a lot. And I think um, having a video like that of a, of a high level lifter using a very light, light amount of weight is very beneficial to show them. You can tell them all day, well, yeah, you know, it's a smaller muscle group. Like the leverages are more difficult, whatever it is. <laughs> show them someone who's high level doing it with a certain amount of weight and show them this is normal. Like you can explain the biomechanics all you want. You can explain how like the differences in muscle type and isolation exercises versus compound movement. That, Show them. That's the kind of thing that's going to be more interesting to you or me or another coach. But exactly. for a client, seeing Dorian Yates in his prime, a video of him doing lateral raises with 30s or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's really important as a, as a coach to remember uh, most of your clients, not all of them, most of them don't give a, I was going to swear, but I'm trying not to cuss as much. Don't care as much. Interesting. Just because, especially with the podcast and do it on my, my last one, because uh, a lot of people listen to podcasts with their children around mm. in the car and stuff. Bro, in 2016, that was the one piece of feedback I was getting on YouTube that was, this is a slight derail of the conversation, but that- I really like watching you with my kids and I feel like you have a lot of good things to say that I want them to hear, but all the F-bombs and all the swearing. And that was the one thing that actually hit. That's exactly why. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I changed. My my ratings on, on my own podcast were great, but the only ones that people were a little bit upset were like, I want to listen, but the only time I can do it is like when I'm driving in my car with my kids or whatever it is, and I just can't. And I'm like, it's not worth it for me yeah. to swear and not have them be able to listen. So yeah. a little slight derailment on that. But uh, yeah, most of your clients won't care. 
they won't care about the biomechanics. They won't care about the leverages. They won't care about uh, isolation versus compound exercises. They won't care about the anterior pelvic delt. They won't care about the book that you just read. They won't care. <laughs> they just won't care. And and why should they care? Right. It's like they're coming to you so that you can tell them what to do because they don't care enough to be able to do it or learn it on their own or because they're, they have other things in their life they care more about. Mm-hmm. It's like if you went to, I don't know, uh, if you went on a boat on a boat cruise and the and the captain of the boat wanted to tell you about how all the like the boat is working and why it like whatever it is like yeah. like listen I'm just trying to get across the river that's my, all I care about my accountant just came to mind and I was like I don't care about changes in the tax code or what new law was written in <laughs> like I just want to save as much money as I can please that's it it's like I just want to lose weight and get stronger and I don't want you to tell me about Shirley Sarman and upper cross syndrome I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Uh, so lateral raises do we have anything else to say on on clients who are feeling like they're not progressing on strength i think the the biggest message that we can get across is to figure out a way to frame it in which it may that they can see it and figure out on their own logically that it doesn't make sense for them to be gaining an insane amount of strength hand over fist session after session. And and it's important that we make the caveat that this is within reason, meaning if you have a client who is in a calorie surplus trying to gain strength and muscle and their bench press hasn't gone up in six months. That's a problem. Yeah. We're not saying that you should show them videos and (laughs) kind of like skirt around the issue. We're talking about clients who have, for whatever reason, unrealistic expectations about the rate at which they should be gaining strength. That being said, maybe we should talk about another scenario in which they should have been getting stronger, but they're actually not. And I think some of the more common ones I see. So here's what I see. I see generally speaking, men tend to be more willing to sacrifice technique in order to be able to lift heavier. Mm -hmm. And women tend to be, tend to be more willing to sacrifice rest time and go jump too early into a set because they want to be moving very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of times they'll, women will be very upset that they're not getting stronger. I'm like, okay, well, how long is your rest period? And they'll be like, I don't know, 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, we got about quadruple that and <laughs> and rest a little bit. And it can mm-hmm. be very difficult, especially if they're coming from a more cardio-based background or a classes background and they're coming into the strength training world because they're expecting to be super sweaty. And they're like, and one of the questions I'll ask, like, how long did it take you to finish your workout? They're like 25 minutes. They're like, okay, we got to double that. And it's like, I want you to slow it down, really focus on lifting heavier weight. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, lifting weights isn't supposed to tickle. Like it's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be hard. If you're not finishing your last two to three reps with a struggle, then you're not lifting heavy enough. You should be aiming to finish your sets where it's very, very difficult, where when the set is over, your heart is pounding. Like Mm -hmm. it you might not sweat. Some people sweat more than others. I sweat peeling an orange, but like that was, that was a line from what was his name? Kevin James, you know, Kevin James. Yeah. yeah. That was from his standup. That was one of the, <laughs> the funniest lines I ever heard. He was like, he was like, big guys don't need a reason to sweat. He's like, I sweat peeling an orange. <laughs> um, but the sweating isn't necessarily an indicator of whether or not you're you're lifting hard. It can be, but your heart rate should be jacked up at, by the end of a heavy set. I think one of the more common 
questions or areas of concern or uncertainty from is it from newer clients is I, this this program isn't hard enough it's like the program can be as hard as you you're willing to make it you have to be willing to lift heavier weight and I, I think especially i've seen this more with women where they they get nervous to lift heavier whether it's because they think it's going to make them bulky or because they they're scared of getting injured and really you know if this is again why videos are so important say hey send me a video of your goblet squat for 10 reps and they're doing it with 20 pounds and like, it's just breezy and mm. there's no problem. It's like, cool. So go up to 50. Mm. And usually the response <laughs> is like 50 It's like, yeah, go up to 50. Like I can't do that. Yeah, you can do it. And then the next response is you're like, oh my God, that was amazing. I loved that. It was so hard. I felt empowered. It's like, yeah, cool. And, and you can't really know that unless you, you can watch it. Cause a lot of times, especially if you're using an RPE scale, and they've never used an RPE scale and they've never actually lifted before, they might say it's like a seven or an eight when in reality it was more like a three or a four. Mm -hmm. Should we move to clients who are always hungry? Yeah, but not losing weight. (laughs) But not losing weight. (laughs) Yeah, you want to take that one? So there are going to be a lot of similarities to this this issue to the first one that we discussed. Um, But the, the biggest solution that stands out in my mind for a client who is not losing weight, is tracking their food, is on point, and is starving all of the time (laughs) uh, comes down to the timing and food choices that they're making and more food choices than timing. There's some variability from person to person in what uh, meal timing schedule works best for them. And you can play with different meal sizes and frequency. But um, for clients of mine that I've coached who are in a reasonable deficit where not an extreme calorie deficit, they shouldn't be starving, but they are for whatever reason, is often a result of a lack of micronutrient dense fiber dense food they're just not eating enough fruits and vegetables or any Um, a lot of calorically dense foods so getting carbs from candy or simple sugar uh, a lot of processed foods a lot of like fast food even if they're working it into their calories and their macronutrients um, just basically eating foods that are so much less satiating and not, not because they feel like they're getting away with something or, uh, for any other reason than they don't know that eating more fruits and vegetables, more whole grains, more traditionally healthy foods is actually going to lead to them feeling more full and feeling better on the same number of calories. You know, it's been a huge learning experience for me it's over the last three to five months i don't know when i started doing it but i i put on my instagram when someone was like how do how do i not be so hungry all the time i said have one big ass salad every day Mm -hmm. one of the this was probably one of the most impactful things i've said as a coach and that i've i've realized because the number of people who've messaged me like hundreds and thousands of people being like oh my god I I can't tell you how much this has helped me. I'm so much more full now. And I'm like, it's literally just adding a bowl of vegetables to your day. That's all it is. And we've said forever, eat more fruits and vegetables. But it was the the way that I said it that finally made it stick. Where you could say, yeah, eat more fruits and vegetables. And people are like, yeah, 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 I know. But when I say make one of your meals 
a salad, all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay. And just doing that has been tremendously beneficial. And people are like, I, I am so much more full now. And it's like, go figure, you're having a bowl of vegetables every day for lunch. That's like, a great lesson in in marketing and in like, like thought and idea creation. Yeah. Right? Because everyone knows that they should eat more vegetables. Exactly. And, and many people might even have an idea as to why or what many of the benefits are. But by framing it the way that you did and in like a made to stick kind of way. Yep. Has more of an impact. They think about it more. It's much more concrete. For example, everybody knows they should be exercising and, and walking more. I think the 10,000 steps a day has helped a lot of people walk more because now they have a specific target to shoot for. I think some people that 10,000 step number might be almost too intimidating. So one way to do it is like walk around your house five times a day, like the perimeter of your house five times. I don't know how many steps that'll be, but I guarantee it'll be more than if they didn't do any. Mm -hmm. And like that just, I think one of the main keys to making things sticky is concreteness, like a very clear idea of exactly what they can do to improve. And if someone's struggling with, with hunger, Number one is you can always ask. I think the best thing to ask is like, so, okay, so you're always hungry. Rather than being like, okay, well, looking at your food log, clearly like you're eating like an asshole. So here's what we can do. Right. Say, okay, so looking at your food log, what is one thing that you think you're doing very well? And what is one thing you think that you can do to improve? And like, well, you know, I, I'm having oatmeal for breakfast. And I never used to have oatmeal for breakfast. That's amazing. Awesome. What can you improve? Uh, well, you know what? I am, uh, I'm having at least two glasses of wine every night. And that's taking up a significant number of calories. So maybe I could drop that to one glass of wine, or maybe I could drop that to four glasses per week or something like that. I love that. Great. Now you've just dropped by like a thousand calories or whatever it is. So then they'll tell you some places they can improve. And usually they'll tell you something that they know in their gut they should be doing, but haven't done yet. And because they've come up with the idea on their own, now they're more likely to stick with it. And now you're there to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And from there then you can also look at other things and, and you can progress. But again, just one thing at a time, you don't have to change everything, but just usually when they make that one change and they see the improvement and the result from it, then they'll want to make more changes from there. So I think whether it's having a big ass salad every day or whatever, or reducing their alcohol intake, or I mean, one of my favorite things, I think this is one of my all-time favorite tips. I think Dan John said this in 2010, 2012, something like this. If you struggle to, if you struggle to gain weight, have a protein shake after every meal. If you struggle to lose weight, have a protein shake before every meal. Uh. And I've, I've loved that ever since. And it's a very simple way of basically being like, drink more before you eat. So you're full if you're trying to lose weight. And then here's some easy ways to get calories after you eat, if you get full and you need to get more calories in. Like Super that. simple. Mm -hmm. And you could say, yeah, drink, drink water before every meal. A lot of people aren't going to do that. It's just like, oh, oh whatever, I'm not going to do that. But for there's something about a protein shake now that makes it more interesting and more like oh, psychologically maybe that's be, Psychologically, exactly. And, and also physiologically, having some protein is going to blunt their appetite. A hundred percent, yeah. That is great. I hadn't heard that, but I really like that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones. I made an infographic on that a while ago and it did really, really well. Just like 
for fat loss, do this for mass gain, do this. Some people got really mad at me being like, Oh really? Like you just have to do that for fat loss. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. It's just going to help with hunger. So, uh, and, and then some people are, they'll, they'll be like, well, isn't that much protein bad for you? Like you shouldn't be having three protein shakes a day. It's like, listen, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to do it every meal for the rest of your life. You don't have to do that. And if you want, fine, I don't care. Have a chicken breast before every meal if you want to. I mean, I think that's a little bit uncomfortable, but like, it's the same thing essentially. Yeah. Chicken breast and water before yeah. every meal. Good luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> we're, we're coming up on an hour. I think that was good. Yeah. I, I think we had a lot of good ideas in there. I enjoy talking about client communication and uh, more of the applicable coaching stuff. Um, again, Jordan and I are both interested to hear what you want to hear more of. So please let us know if you have thoughts or feedback or ideas or uh, things you want to hear us talk about in upcoming episodes. Yeah. I don't know any, I mean, I don't listen to podcasts, but I don't know of any other podcasts that talk about this kind of stuff. So I love it. I'm having a lot of fun and thank you so much to everyone who's uh, left a review already. They, they really do help a lot. So if you haven't done that, we would, it would mean a lot to us. A five-star review would be incredible. If you hate the show, one-star review would obviously suck, but sit, tell your truth. Um, and uh, again, huge congratulations to everyone who has joined the mentorship. We're wicked excited to have you. We did the first live yesterday. The mm -hmm. first challenge is well underway. Uh, you're more than welcome to join now if you'd like. The sale is over. Um, it's $1,000 to join and then 99 a month after that. Cancel anytime you want. The link is in the show notes. And thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.